Mueller and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Nation live from the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex on the sass side of a snowy Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. It's Euler Remotes back in the saddle again, baby. I've been missing you, Arthur. Come on, man. You know I've been missing you as well. I couldn't help it, man. They told me that short week, you big time. You oh, got to yeah. have special guests come on instead of me. Yeah. And then they told me, hey, I don't want you just thinking that you're off the hook this week, so go do some TV stuff. Go do some social media stuff, so... I'm just glad that our schedules have finally cooperated so we could go see each other's face after another victory. Yeah, I mean, geez, we got so much to get to and so little time to do it, Motsi. We still haven't talked about the Browns game or the, uh, the, well, the Rams, Rams game. Part of it. We'll do that a little bit today and, and start to look ahead to the Browns. But Arthur Motes, four straight wins. Can I get a victory? A victory! And now with a win tomorrow night in Cleveland – Mm-hmm. Talk about it. Talk all, about it. All of a sudden, you'd be two games over 500. Ah, yes. You would completely have the Browns dead and dusted and in the grave. Ah, yes. And you would continue just, uh, what, in the last 15 years, 11-2-1 or something, like 14 years, 11-2-1 and one out mm-hmm. in Cleveland, something like that. Man, you know, I, I love that stat until you say 11-2-1 because, unfortunately, I was a part of one of those twos. 2014, Mike Pettin got me, golly. Friggin' Mike Pettin. Hurt my heart. Wasn't that, like, a really bad weather game? No, right? actually, no. that was the one, that was the only one where it was, like, beautiful out. But the problem was, we were just getting bad. We, I think we played Jacksonville the week prior to that. We were riding high, feeling good. And this was right before they made the switch to go from Brian Hoyer to Johnny Manziel. And, yeah, they lit us up. They, I mean, they had us schemed up perfect. I don't even want to say, like, we went in there to sleep. But Coach uh, Mitchell, Johnny Mitchell, man, he talked about how, man, I coached in uh, – I was in Cleveland. They're going to treat us like a Super Bowl. It's yeah. their Super Bowl. I'm like, man, whatever, bro. We the Steelers. We ain't hearing none of that. And sure enough, they worked us. They took us back behind the shed and <laughs> – Good old-fashioned butt whooping. And, and, and true story, this is the first time I had to experience a person recognizing what I was in, calling me out in a public setting. My man Charlie Bash, I tell him, I tell him like, Charlie, for a little while, I had a little uh, 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 bone to pick with you, man. Because, a little beef. Because it was a play where we're sitting in a – it was a cover two coverage. And – well, actually, it was, it was a 26. So it was a cover two to one side, six to the other side. Like, And the way they run this play, it messes with your reads. But they run it because historically this is what Pittsburgh would run. This is sure. obviously with Dick LeBeau. Sure. So they run this play – I'm supposed to have this tight end, but it's run action at me, so I'm like, I'm not worried about the tight end. I got to stop the run. The tight end sneaks out, catches a bomb. It's like 60 yards. Shout out to my man, Brett Kiesel. He catches him somehow at the one. And Charlie Batch is like, yeah, man, that looks like Arthur Moses' job right there. That's his responsibility. I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> I'm like, did you really just do that? Like, what? I don't even know you, Charlie. Like, this is before I met Charlie, mind you. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Go call me out like it's that. On man. site next time I see you, yeah, Chuck. Yeah, yeah. I felt some type of way, man. But it was funny because 
at the time, I never had to experience it because, like, you go in there sleeping, like, oh, it's just Cleveland. But anytime you talk about that 11, 2, and 1, I'm like, golly, I was a part of that, too, unfortunately. I don't think they'll be sleeping going into, uh, what is it, First hey. Energy Stadium tomorrow no night? No question, man. Because that is going to be the Browns' Super Bowl. Oh, I mean, yeah. last week against the Bills was, in a way, they, they had to have that game to, quote, unquote, stay alive. Yes. But this one to, for them is going to be even more next level. Uh, forget the disappointment that this season has been for Cleveland fans, right. right? You know how this works. When the schedule came out, right, in, in June or whenever it was, July, when the NFL schedule came out, Cleveland fans circled this game, right? Their home game against the Steelers, they thought this was their year to kind of take over in the driver's seat. Yeah, in this we're rivalry, not little brother anymore. Right, we're not little brother anymore. Oh, it's a primetime game. It's a Thursday game. It's the only game of the night. You know what I mean? That's that's the one thing that's good about playing on Thursday, right? It's the you're the only uh, you're the only entree on the menu. Correct. Right. Every NFL fan, every sports fan, every degenerate gambler like you and I is, <laughs> is, is going to be tuned into this one, right? I know there's people. In Cleveland and, and Browns fans that are displaced from Cleveland right. that made plan, you know, they're taking Thursday and Friday off work and oh, they're yeah, traveling they're, they're. for this game. And, and this is their big game that when the schedule came out, everybody in Cleveland circled, all of Browns fans circled. And despite what their record is and to the, you know, somewhat disappointing nature of their season to this point. And they're going to be those. That fan base is going to be ready to go, and they're going to be barking or whatever the whatever the heck they do. Are they big though, little Lake? Eight, eight o'clock on Thursday night. That that place will be jumping by the way. Oh, it is, man. I'm glad that this is the pen ultimate to their Super Bowl. But at the end of the day, I hope they understand what they're going to have walking into that stadium, man. In terms of the way this Steelers team has been playing, the continuity that they have. Mm-hmm. Be careful, dog. And let's talk about that. I'm gonna. This is gonna be my attempt here, Motsi, to Uh-oh. to link the Rams game and the Browns game here. All let's right, let's do it. You ready for this? I'm waiting on you. Can we not have a slow start by the offense tomorrow night? Listen, is that hey? I'll even take a first down or two and a punt, just not a turnover. I was about to say I don't even care about the slow start. Just don't allow points anymore. Yes. Three straight Not, weeks. Nine so. of the 12 points that the Rams had on the scoreboard were directly mm-hmm. ready to the offense. Mm-hmm. Period. This is two weeks back-to-back they've given up. Safeties, I don't – under any circumstance, you go 3-0, I don't care. Fine. Punch the ball Stop away. scoring on us. Stop giving up those points, man. And even right against Miami, you threw the interception, which yes. set Miami up at, what, the 20 – almost in your red zone. Right. That's like, – the that's, slow starts, it's something you and I have talked about a lot throughout the year – it's got to stop, particularly because I think this is a Browns team that is very, I don't know, maybe for lack of a better term, like momentum-driven, right, Motsi, yes. if that makes sense. They're a team that when they're hot, they're hot. You know, like when they're fired up and when they're playing well, like we, you know, like we saw against the Baltimore Ravens. They're a team that has talent. They're a team that's capable. But they also, that swings the other way, too. That when they're cold, they're, they put their oh. head down and they're feeling sorry for they're, themselves. They're, they're front runners. They're front yes. runners. yes. And, and the thing that I always find funny about them, even though they're front runners in terms of they only play well, they pump their chests out, they hey, keep that same energy when they're winning and stuff like that, they also like to semi-thrive in the underdog role of, Correct. oh, they don't believe in us. Nobody believes in us. They don't think us. we can do this. Even they though everybody was picking us to win the AFC North Absolutely. in this summer, nobody believes in us. It's funny how, how quick they forget that type of stuff. But that's what I'm seeing with this team. That's the type of vibe that they're giving off. But I think that hurts them in situations like this. 
I think, man, with the Steelers, because they've had to endure so much from an adversity standpoint, sure. because they've had to go from being praised a little bit during the offseason to destroyed week one to losing your quarterback, all this adversity they've had to go and overcome. To the season's over after that overtime right. loss and to then, the Ravens. And then you turn around and now you got a four-game winning streak. They've had every emotion this season. So they are pretty much, I guess – accustomed to whatever situation they may be in, whereas this Browns team, that's not the case for them. No. This Browns team, you can see they are an emotional wreck over there. Yes. Not even to mention their their leader, their fearless leader. I'm sure they want the pencil fraud, but they got the kitchen man. And unfortunately for that, he doesn't know I think they would. They'd take doing. the pencil yeah. fraud in a second. And the thing is, when you're watching them, they they just look like they don't have an identity. They look like they lack in leadership. They look like they don't have somebody that's going to point them in the right direction and understand what to say to them and how to motivate them. And that was some of our my concerns, especially, about this Browns team during the offseason. It's like you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't have the leader, if you don't have the guy to get these guys in the right place, the right cause, it doesn't matter. i say this. If the Browns had lost Baker Mayfield – the second game of the season in the first half, do you think they would look anything like how the Steelers have looked? No. And that's solely because of the coaching or the lack thereof in Cleveland. I completely agree with you. You know what blows my mind, Motsi? Let's get into this. You know, I thought I thought we'd make it a few segments before we really deep dove into the Browns. Come here. on, man! You know but I can't s- hold it back, baby. Sc- what, right? We don't look. We don't have. We live our life without a rearview mirror. Come on, All right? man! No more looking back. That's, yeah. You know, you got. We got, we talk a lot about Mike Tomlinisms. Yes, you know, indeed. Cutting your eyelids, uh, nameless gray faces. What, what type of blinking you doing? I don't blink. Right. Uh, there's some great. The WVU basketball head coach Bob Huggins has some great. You know, like one. Did you just say like the that. great WVU basketball coach? Is that what you just called him? I mean, he's like. Third most active wins among active coaches in college. Everybody basketball. great is from West Virginia, right? No, not necessarily. I'm from there. I'm not great. I'm what? just I'm just okay. But your hair is. Hey. <laughs> Bob Huggins has this line that he says all the time that I, I have always lived my life without a rearview mirror, right? Mm-hmm. I'm all, I'm always looking ahead. And and <laughs> I, I kinda like that. So we're living our <laughs> See, life I without like we're living our life without a rearview mirror here. We're always looking ahead. Talking about the Browns here, you want to know something that blows my mind. I, I saw this. I think it was Adam Crowley, our, our buddy Adam Crowley, the crowd man. said this yesterday or, or on Monday or something. He tweeted this out. The Browns' run game, right, and Nick Chubb, the Browns, when they hand the ball off, they're second in the NFL in yards per carry. Mm-hmm. Yet they are in the 20s when it comes to run attempts per game. I, I feel like that right there in a nutshell is Freddie Kitchens and their offense and just kind of the uh, – the no identity that you alluded to right there, right? The fact that they have the second most yards per carry in the entire league, yet they're not even in the top 20 in run attempts per game. That makes no sense to me. No, I definitely agree. And It's like, here's our strength. All right, but we're not going to lean on that. Right, and, and this is the issue. When you have guys like Odell, when you have guys like Jarvis, Baker, they want to throw the ball, right? Sure. And it's funny because when we talk about those same numbers in terms of where they are in rushing. I mean, you look at Nick Chubb, he has 919 rushing yards. That's crazy to think about at this point of the season. But when you talk about their offensive line and pass protection, it's terrible, right? Terrible. Maybe the worst in the league. The This is their issue. If they were a run-first team, it works for them because the attention that Odell and Jarvis require. No doubt. That's the issue that the Steelers are having in terms of Juju not being able to command double teams right now, so you're able to pack the box a lot more. 
you can't pack the box versus Cleveland, so it does put you in very uh, advantageous running situations in terms of having a hat on a hat. Sure. But for them, it's almost like they, they let their pride get in the way and they don't want to just be a team that wins because they're running the ball. They want to feel like, I have to throw it. So even though you'll see them gash people early with the runs, they get away from it. It's like they got to be the Harlem Globetrotters. Right, right. right? They got to gotta light it up. What, what, what did your boy Whitney say? I'd rather look bad and, and, and lose than, than – uh, No, he said, I'd rather look bad. No, he said, I'd rather look bad. Rather win and look bad. I, yeah, I'd rather win and look bad than lose, than and, lose look and look good. That's They'd rather lose and look good. That's that's them. Yeah. Period. That's, like, a, that's a great analogy. That's, it's, that's the case, though, because it's like running the ball. It's not flashy. Let's be real. Odell isn't Odell because they're running the ball. No matter how much he's a direct – has a direct impact on that. The Ravens' offense isn't flashy. Right, but it gets the job done. And Patriots' offense isn't flashy. And that's the biggest thing, man. But people, Seahawks offense is yeah, flashy, without a doubt. But people, they—I don't know what it is about this team. They just let their egos get in the way, and it's funny because when you watch them on tape, you're like, man, this is a recipe that can work because Chubb and Kareem Hunt are very formidable. I mean, Chubb by Even himself. Even with that offensive line, yeah, still because they're now is not a seven, eight man box. Right, it's six men because you can't afford to double. Odell or Jarvis because they'll get off. Hat on a hat, and all Chubb right. has to do is make one guy miss. Make, wait, exactly. Versus the Steelers who are facing seven, eight-man boxes every time because they're like, oh, we could single these guys up and be fine. Night and day. So for this Browns team, that's their thing. But it, it appears that, like I said, they let with their them having a lack of identity, with them not being able to say we want to do this. This is our bread and butter. You see them out there, and, and they outthink themselves all the time. It's almost like we talked a lot about this, right, with how we, you know, in the OTAs and in the offseason, we were having discussions about how the Steelers' offense could continue, continue to be productive, right, without AB, with Lev Bell now fully out of the picture. And a lot of what we talked about was scheming offense versus just calling plays, right? Right. It seems like Freddie Kitchens is playing Madden. <laughs> where it's like, where it's like, right? All right. Well, we gotta get a dozen targets for Baker. We gotta yeah. get a dozen targets for for Jarvis. Right. We gotta get a, however many to the tight end, and then Nick Chubb. We're gonna get him this many carries. Whereas again, you're not necessarily scheming offense. It's just like they're calling plays at times. Yes, and, and that's what's hurting them. And you saw that too as a direct correlation when they were at the goal line, eight plays in a row. I mean, how do you not punch <laughs> that in? Like, and they're just over here like, let's try this play. Let's throw it over to this guy. Let's throw it that I got too. Oh, all right, we get one run. All right, we got your warrant. We got your run in. All right, all right let's throw some more. Like these are the type of things that when you don't have an identity, you do, and that's their biggest problem. Because talent wise, let's be real, they're very talented. Oh, no doubt. I mean, we would take that offense. I'm pretty sure any day here in Pittsburgh right now with Baker, Odell, Jarvis. Let's be real about it. Aside from that offensive line, right, right, right. It, yeah, you, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb. We've seen the struggles that we've had this year in the backfield, whether it's through injuries or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. We've seen that. So talent isn't the issue. But when you're not playing together, when you don't have a guy who's getting you on the right cause, when you can't put team before self, these are the issues that you have. And you have a quarterback who seemingly comes up with a new excuse every single week. Or a new mustache three times in one day. Did you hear what he said about the fans yesterday? Did you, no, did I, you I see missed this? that. Baker no, Mayfield? In his press conference yesterday, he essentially called out their fans. He said, "He said, listen, guys, we love like I love your energy, but you got to be quiet when we have the ball on offense." He <sighs> said, "He said when we have the ball on offense and we're at home, our wow. fans make too much noise." He said, and he said something right like it's just basic football, right? We got to oh. be quiet when we're on offense and then be loud when they're on defense. Take take a shot at them boys, then, yeah, man. Yeah, like come wow. on, 
everybody wow. everybody in Cleveland would literally fall on their sword for Baker Mayfield. Oh, without a doubt. And, and, he, I mean, and he continues to just throw he, them under the bus. Not, not only with the fans, his teammates are doing it. Mm-hmm. Odell is up here doing it. Mm-hmm. Everybody's putting the cape on for Baker. And he cannot understand it. He cannot just say, all right, guys, maybe I'm tripping. Maybe I should stop. <laughs> It's <laughs> crazy, man. Like, I need to get better. Right, I need, right. You, I mean, you know that. That's any good leader, right? Even if it's not their fault, they'll still take the blame. Without a doubt. Even, even when you know it's cheesy, even when you don't even have to believe it, just say it. When, when Marc-Andre Fleury was letting in eight goals a game and the Penguins had nobody that could score other than Crosby and Malkin, yeah. Sid was still sitting there saying, it's my fault. I got to be better. I got to be better. Exactly. Even if he didn't believe it in the back of his mind, Ben's done that same thing too. Come on, I, I got to be better. Even at, at Tom every, Brady's done that too, and you know it wasn't on Tom Brady. Listen, at every level it happens. I remember even man playing at JMU my senior year, we, we had quarterback issues. We ended up having to start a true freshman quarterback. Man, we're losing to teams ten to three, and, and a touchdown was on a pick six. I'll go ahead three seconds. Man, we got to be better on defense. We got to find a way to score. We got to find a way to do this. It's got to be us. We got to do more. LeBron James took a team of JV basketball yes. players to the NBA Finals, and he was like, oh, I got to be better. I got to be better. I got to be better right. against Tim Duncan. Period. That's how it That's is, man. That's what leaders do. They yes. don't pass the buck, right? Even and, if it's and, not their fault, they take the blame. And even if they don't even believe it, even if you don't believe it right. yourself, you still say it. Just, because cliche, just cliche after cliche. Absolutely. Cliche and death, Stop man. the story right there. But yeah. for some reason, your boy can't figure that out. That is not my boy. You're right. I ain't even going to put that. I ain't yeah, going to disrespect you like that, man. Come on. I have di- I've disliked him before Pittsburgh did, all right? Yeah, yeah, I, was yeah. I already know. Because he was breaking my heart three straight years when he was in Oklahoma. Yeah, he was dangerous back then. He was dangerous. Well, was he dangerous or was Lincoln Riley and Hollywood Brown and all I don't those guys? I man. Westbrook. I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think. Like, it looks like a quarterback factory over there, man. You want to be a first round? You want to win a Heisman? Go play for Lincoln Riley, Oklahoma. Jalen up next. Uh, right. Any UNFL teams out there looking for a head coach? You want to take, saying, take man, Lincoln like, Riley out of the Big 12 for me. Come on. Like Just, just, just imagine if, if Jalen – I mean, as we digress to this collegiate football, imagine if Jalen wins the Heisman this year. Just how crazy that would be to have three – And he'd be a, he'll be a first-round pick. He might not be oh, first overall, but he'll be a, a first-rounder. So you'd have three straight Heismans. Three straight first-rounders. Three straight first-round picks. Two, 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 num- first two number overall. ones overall. Wow. Hey, Dallas yeah. Cowboys, you looking for a head coach? Wow. No, no, no. Cleveland Browns, you're looking for a new head coach. Oh, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. All right. But just get him out of Oklahoma. Get him out of the Big 12 so he can stop hanging 55 on my Mountaineers every single year. Mm -mm -mm. You already know the drill. You want to chime in. It's Euler Remotes inside the Electric Factory. You can find us on Twitter at Wesley Euler at The Body 52. The Body. We will continue to deep dive into the Browns when we come back. Uh, Today is also a Wednesday. You know what that means. We'll go inside the play. And we will have Best of the West for you, a jam-packed show uh, for the next hour and 40 minutes here as we get ready. As we get ready on the day before Thursday. It's the penultimate, baby. Normally we have to say the day before the day before. Right, the penultimate to the penultimate. Today's the day before. Absolutely, man. It's the penultimate. Yes, indeed. Thursday night football, the only show in town tomorrow night. Yeah, because that Pitt UNC game doesn't count. I mean, come on. The uh, only hey, hey, man, show. they're giving away tickets for that game right now, uh, man. You know who's in this building right now? Oh, Pat McAfee. Oh, because he calls the games, right? Oh, you're the right. Thursday yeah, night yeah. games. You're right. So the crew meets with both both coaching both, staffs. Yeah. So I'm doing a little. All right, how can I how can I meet Pat McAfee before I get out of you're the, right. the UPMC Rooney Sports? I didn't even complex. think about that. Yeah. yeah. Well, you you know when they get over here, won't you? Are they gonna pull up with the ESPN bus or no? 
Probably not, like, because, you know, they probably just take cars, Got car you. service Because I'm thinking about, like, with Monday Night Football, they'll, the, the Monday Night Football the, bus will pull right up to the facility. Well, they'll have that over at Heinz Field, I would imagine, okay. but they'll probably all just take cars and yeah. stuff over That's here. That's tight, though, man, if you bump into them. Mm-hmm. I'm trying. I should have worn, worn my WVU stuff today. Yeah, I, need, I need to bump into them as well, man. You need to talk. <laughs> <laughs> on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at the body 52 The body. Let's talk a little continue quarterbacks and slow starts conversation when we return. He's Moats. I'm Mueller, and you're inside the Electric Factory. It's Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Moats on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Talking some quarterbacks, talking some brownies to begin the program. Our buddy Thrash Metal Guy here says, even though you guys outperform yourselves every day, you guys know you got to perform better for us the next day. (laughs) Consistently polishing our product, right, Motsi? That's what we do, man. Arrow always pointed up. Listen, above the line, varsity work. How you feeling about the work of one Mason Rudolph after Sunday's performance against the Rams? Man, I'm feeling really good and optimistic about him, and here's why. When you look at the throws that he were that he was making Sunday versus the Rams, I mean, they were on the money. He stepped into a ton of throws. He looked as confident as he's been and as decisive as decisive as he's been since he's taken over the starting role. And when you look at the numbers that he had in terms of I think he was what 22 he was 22 of 38, 242 yards and a touchdown. Let's be real, that should have easily been 300 yards. All the amount of drop Could passes. 27 for 38. Easily, but you factor in the drop passes from all the receivers. Yeah. Those numbers are still very respectable. I thought his decision-making was good. I did like the jump ball that he threw to James Washington in the end zone. I thought mm-hmm. that those two in particular had their best games as professionals Hopefully and their continuity. Yep. Yes. So those are the things that I feel are starting to show in terms of his growth and development. Like you say, I mean, this is, this is going to be his sixth start in the NFL. He's going to have growing pains. But at the same time, you watch how every week he's gotten better. You haven't week seen week. him. You haven't seen him take a bad step back, have you? Nope. I, I at least not personally. In my I opinion. haven't either. Like, is it times where I'm like, I wish he would do this. Sure, I wish he would sure. grow and develop faster. Without a doubt, we all want that because that's the generation we live in, right? Instant we gratification. Instant gratification. But that's not realistic, especially at this level. But he continues to get better. He continues to make better throws. He continues to look like he's in more control and comfort in the offense yeah and those are all the reasons why I think that bodes well for him especially on Thursday and one of the things that he has going well for him is this is first Thursday night game Mm -hmm. this is first short week this is first time really not like it's one of those things when you're young you don't really know that you should fear certain things right you don't know what you don't know you don't know what you don't know so all of those things bode well for him it's less time for him to think more time for him to just go out there and just be comfortable and play so that's what I like I'm glad you said that, too, because I think that is a real advantage for the Steelers tomorrow in Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, this is a, a coaching staff uh, from, from Mike Tomlin on down that has experience with everything. Right. right? I mean, literally with everything. I, I don't know if there's a potential scenario that you could cook up that they don't have experience with. For Freddie Kitchens and for a lot of the guys on the Browns, this is, a, this is something new for them, playing on a short week. Oh, yes, they played a Thursday night football game last year, 
but it was week three against the Jets. Mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield didn't start that game. He, nope. he ended up coming in when Tyrod Taylor got hurt. Right. But Baker, Baker Mayfield didn't know what it was like to have a quick turnaround and prep for that Correct. week as the starting quarterback. Freddie Kitchens was still the running back coach at that point. Yeah, think about that. He didn't know what it's like to, to, to be in control of, of – 50-plus guys and, and have to get them ready on a short week for a, for a division rival coming to town for a big game at home that the fan base is going to be jacked up for. I You've been there. You've kind of seen how different coaches can handle things. I Man, I, I think that's a real advantage that not too many people are talking about for the Steelers this week is just that it's, it's just another game for them, whereas opposed from it's it, – I think it really is a, a – a new experience for a lot of people on the Browns. Yes, indeed. And I think another thing that bodes well for the Steelers in this regard is with it being a shorter week, right, with it being a lot of the uncertainties and stuff like that, the one thing that they don't mind leaning back on is simplicity. They don't mind no They no don't doubt. mind saying, hey, let's dumb this thing down. Let's call these type of plays small menu, big understanding. Whereas I think with Cleveland – they don't look at it like that. I think they look at it and say, hey, man, we still got to try to figure out this and get this squeezed in and that squeezed in. And instead of just saying, hey, let's be simple, I think this is where they are flawed. I think this is where they continue to try to do too much and it ultimately costs them. And when you talk about younger players in this league, guys, like you said, I mean, how we benefit, how it benefits Mason in terms of him not knowing what he should know. On the flip side with Baker and all those guys, some of them are in the same situation where they don't know, but the temperament of them compared to Mason is where it's a big difference. You think about Mason, he hasn't once felt like or publicly stated where he wanted to do this, coaches aren't doing this, or we need to get more like that versus this. Whereas Baker, I mean, every week, you know how he feels. He's letting everybody know. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you, don't have to, you don't have to wonder, ponder yeah, yeah. how Baker feels. He'll tell you. Right, so with all that being the case, you know – he wants to he wants to throw it more. He wants to be more complex in their schemes and stuff like that. But that hurts you in a short week because you don't have that time to prepare. Time. And I think those are some of the things that will ultimately cost them. I agree with you. Getting back to Mason there, one of the things that I was really encouraged by on Sunday, Motsi, I'd be interested to hear your opinion on this. I liked how – you see it with a lot of times. I mean, you see it with quarterbacks that are well-established in this league, certainly with young quarterbacks, just staying away from Jalen Ramsey. Mm-hmm. All right, here's where he's lined up. I'm not even going to look over there. Whatever that read was, I'm throwing it away, and I'm, I'm moving on. That wasn't the case. He went right at Jalen Ramsey a few times, and if it weren't for a couple drops, would have had more success in that regard, too. I think, like you mentioned, sixth start, now – Things are starting to slow down for him a little bit more. The win streak has helped him build confidence. And I think, man, if you're willing to to attack Jalen Ramsey, right, if you're willing to stand in the pocket and attack Jalen Ramsey with Aaron Donald and Dante Fowler right. and Clay Matthews coming after you, I, I, I think that that's going to continue, and I think it's only going to get better. I definitely agree, man. I think when you can – not only have the confidence and belief in yourself to go at those guys, but ultimately display that type of skill. Yeah. To, go, it, to not only go at those guys, but have success doing to so. Have, absolutely. Those are the things that makes me, when I watch Mason in particular, it makes you excited because it's like, man, you're going in the right direction. You're showing stuff now. You're doing what we all have heard. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the organization has talked highly of you, but we haven't seen any of that in these games yet. But now it's starting to show up. Now we're seeing, okay, that was a great job. Now, granted, 
I still wasn't. I, I wasn't a fan of him going at Jalen. I think that's dangerous. <laughs> you, you keep playing with fire. Hey, he likes to live dangerous. Yeah, but you keep playing with fire, you will get burnt. Granted, it worked out, <laughs> but uh, yeah. The fact that he, he took some shots, I'm like, okay, good. You you got some hair on your chest. I like it. Respect. Yeah, yeah. But let's be smart. But let's be smart. Absolutely. Particularly at the start of the game. This, yeah. This week against the Browns. Or if you're backed up again and they call play action or you feel like you want to pump fake, don't do it. Don't do it. You check to a run if you need Just to. Just check out of it to a run. If, if, if you don't feel comfortable with yourself, <laughs> not pump faking. If you don't feel comfortable with yourself, not running play action down here, you hand that ball off. All right? You look back there. You say Jalen. You say James Conner. You say Tony. It don't matter who. It, Rosie Nix, whoever's back there. I'm giving you the ball. Okay? I'm not about to do this the third week in a row. Because if you do, I got to come out the booth. I got to come find you. <laughs> I wonder, honestly, it, like, if we would have – gone back three weeks ago, right, before the Monday night game against the Dolphins, and said that the Steelers would have three straight weeks of turning the ball over on their first possession, mm-hmm. that, those would all lead, <laughs> that those would all lead to points directly yes. or indirectly for the other team. Not, not just points. Touchdowns. Seven. Seven. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're right. Wow. You're right. You're right. Every single time, right? That it, it would either, like I said, not directly, but indirectly, where, you know, they're set up at the, the 20-yard line of the Steelers, the opposing offense, the 30-yard line of the Steelers. If you would have said that that was going to happen, right, the Steelers were going to turn the ball over on their first possession of the game, they're going to spot the other team a touchdown every single time, yet they were still going to win those games. I wonder what the odds would have looked like. Like, I wonder if that's ever happened in NFL history What did before. they say? How, Sway? How, How Sway? How, Sway? Where, where a team has turned the ball over on their first three possessions of the game three weeks in a row, spot the other team a touchdown, and still won all three of those games. Yeah, I mean that's I I can't believe that that's ever happened before in the National Football League. I seriously doubt it's happened as well, man. That's I mean, it's just crazy when you think about that. But that also is a huge testament to how well this defense has been playing and yeah. how they just find ways to get it done. I don't like I said I don't know how they continue to do it, but they do it. Let me ask you this: Are you worried that there will come a time where the defense will have a game where they don't force multiple turnovers. Mm-hmm. They don't have a ton of sacks. And the Steelers' offense will have to win the game for, you know, for lack of better. Like, where it's a real, not a bad performance by the defense, right? But just a average, like a, like a B-plus performance, Correct. right? Not not an A-plus plus like we've been seeing. Where maybe they get two sacks and no takeaways. Correct. Or something like Or they get one takeaway and one sack, something like that. Do you think that that's inevitable or do you think with this defense and how good they've been they can continue to get a bunch of sacks a bunch of turnovers combined and and continue to put the offense in advantageous situations I mean let's be real about it has some of the things that this Steelers defense has been able to do has some of it been a little fluky at times sure I mean anytime you're getting that amount of turnovers in, like in, some of the ones in the San Francisco Right, game. right. Like, yes, yeah, some of that is fluky, without a doubt. But the flip side to that is this. They still have the basis covered in terms of no blown assignments anymore. You're not seeing that. They're not really getting gashed with anything. X, X runs, runs mm-hmm. over 15 yards, passes completed over 25 yards. You're not seeing that. So, for me, I feel that they would still be able to get the job done in some of those games. But the biggest the biggest thing is you can have – like, you never want to have turnovers without the doubt, without a doubt. Sure. Offensively, the turnovers aren't what's making me concerned. It's the turnovers that are going for points. 
the turnovers that are happening inside your own 20-yard line. Those are the ones that will kill you. Or not even that, the snap over the head that is directly yes. seven points. Yes. The safeties, those are directly points plus the and, ball. And, yeah, points of possession. That's the ones. Those are the ones that make me nervous because I feel like this is the type of team that could go out there, and I'm talking the Steelers' defense, mind you, and not give up points, even if it's in the red zone. They can hold a team right. to three points. They right. can get away with that. But what you can't do is have them getting scored on when they're not even on the field. Yes. That's my biggest concern. That's my biggest issue. But hopefully those days are behind us. Hopefully the Steelers' offense has turned over a new leaf. Hopefully with James Conner potentially being back, that mm. eases up their situation in terms of having a, a running game again. What say you? Do the Steelers need a bunch of splash from the defense to continue to win games, or is it something that the offense and the defense just by not giving up a bunch of points could still manage? Let us know on Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at the body 52 The body. Oklahoma Zone says, let Lincoln come to the AFC North and bring that offense because it comes with a non-tackling defense. <laughs> <laughs> they just make business decisions over there on defense. You're trying to make some business decisions, yeah. Hey, Can't just know. be tackling, man. You crazy. You can't just be tackling. This is the Big 12. Come on, yeah, man. man. I want to do that. Yeah, no, that's a good point by you, Oklahoma Zone, but I don't know if I want to tempt the fates here. <laughs> when we come back, uh, Motsi mentioned James Conner's status. There's some good news in that department. Let's talk about James. Let's talk about the run game and the offensive line as we continue to look ahead to the Browns. You are inside the Electric Factory on a Wednesday. It's Euler and Motes on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Some interesting developments, some encouraging developments is maybe the better word, coming out of Steelers practice yesterday, coming out of the south side. Motsi, James Conner, mm -hmm. full practice participant. How we doing? FP, full practice, not LP, limited practice. Not, or long play, you know, if you're a music person, if you're into EPs and LPs. There's no EPs, though, in, in football practice. There's DNPs, LPs, and full Ps. Mm -hmm. Full practice. James Conner yesterday. And you always tell me, Motsi, right? <laughs> I tell you a lot of things. You tell me a lot of things. You tell me to always watch the corresponding roster moves, right? Uh, yes. That's one, of the, that's one of the things you've been telling me. Well, Darren Hall was released by the Stillers. Uh-huh. So when I see that... Now you're happy. And I see James Conner, <laughs> full practice. I'm encouraged. I think James Conner's going to play tomorrow night in Cleveland. All right, all right. You know what they say happens when you assume, Mochi. <laughs> you're laughing at me because my full P's and my limited P's. Hey, it's all good, man. I, I love the optimism. And I will say this. All right, tell me, what I'm, tell me what I'm doing wrong. No, no, no. I think you should be optimistic, and here's why. The fact that he has rested – for two weeks now, that definitely helps out a lot. Talking with him Monday, hearing him say that it's less about the structure of the shoulder, more so just pain tolerance, nothing that's going to be surgical. Him talking about that he can run fine is more so going to be pass protection and catching, uh, pass it over his head. Mm -hmm. I do feel a lot more confident knowing that because after two weeks, your pain time, you're going to start to feel better sure, naturally. Sure. So I think that bodes well. Then you factor in the success that he's had, and particularly versus Cleveland, that bodes well as well. Now, my only concern is this. 
full practice participant. They only practiced, what, once? That was yesterday, correct? Today was a walkthrough. Correct. Tomorrow morning will be a walkthrough. What if he wasn't feeling great today? No, 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 no. no. Let's, let's be real about this. What type of practice do you really hmm. think they had yesterday? Oh, it was real physical. Tons of hitting. Tons of strapping up the pads. No, you're right. It was, it was probably a, uh, a shell of a normal practice. So essentially a glorified walkthrough. Probably a good up-tempo walkthrough. That's how we would describe them typically on Thursday night right, games. Right, Because, you know, Sunday you just played. And, in fact, with that team, they played Sunday at 425. So it doesn't even – it's not even a Sunday 1 o'clock. So you don't even get the full Sunday vibe to rest. You knew Monday, okay, even if that was your off day, you were still coming in to watch film, get your workout. Tuesday practice? Come on now. That's not realistic. So even though it says full participant, I do have my – skepticism about that just because I understand from firsthand experience four years of what a Thursday week sure. practice is like. So that's my only thing in terms of, all right, I understand he has the range of motion. That was the big thing for him and pain tolerance should be better, but we really aren't going to know his full hmm. level of health until he's out there because he did say that he's not going to be a hundred percent playing. And let's be real. Nobody is at this point of the season, but for Except him, for Kareem Hunt, Yes. Yeah. Well, nope. Kareem Hunt just playing the game, so now That's he's not 100 percent. It's like 85. 90. It's over. It's over. You know the streaks. It, it is. As soon as you put them pads on, it's over. So those are my only reasons why I'm still. I feel like he will play, but what James will we see? That's my concern. Now, I do think James is smart enough, and he understands his situation enough that he won't put himself out there if he's not good enough to go for the whole game. Because if you go out there and you're only good for two series and you only carry two to three running backs in this game, you put this offense in a bind. Yep. Now, them releasing the, the, the young running back, I do think that bodes well in terms of their belief and their trust in James. And maybe and also, Benny Snell getting healthy, too, yes. sooner rather than later. Yes, I think all of those things factor in, but do you anticipate Benny Snell being available on Sunday? Next Sunday, you mean? Next Sunday, yes. Not, not Thursday, Bengals. though. Excuse me, not Thursday. Maybe, but honestly, if I'm thinking about it, the fact that it's against the Bengals, it's probably another let's right. let's hold him out an extra week. Yeah, so those are the only things that I'm like, all right, I could I see the moves, I'm understanding them, so I do feel optimistic about them. And that's why I said I do share in your optimism in terms of James being there Thursday night and playing. I just don't know. In what capacity. Right, until we see him out there for those first couple of series because we know how he runs. He's physical. He's not going to make you miss. He's not going to shy away from contact either. It's aggressive. So that's why I'm just like, okay, if it's a pain tolerance thing already, you you are the car crash guy. You, you lower your shoulder to everyone. Half a dozen yes. times, and all of a sudden that starts hurting again. Right. So that's those are my concerns because even with the, the medication that they'll provide him prior to the game and stuff like that, I mean, it only does but so much, and that's the issue. So optimistic, yes. But cautious, yes. I like it. I like it. If it was a Sunday practice now, I mean, it was yeah. a Sunday game, and he was a full participant Wednesday, without a doubt, I'm 100% you're on like, board. Right, like, we're good yeah, to go. Yeah, you're good. Yeah. But I just know how a Tuesday practice after a Sunday 4 o'clock game that was very physical, the tempo of that practice, how it's going to be on Tuesday, especially when you have to go on the road on top of that. It's not even like they're playing at home, so you get, oh, man, you get no, more recovery they're time. They're leaving here in like an hour. Right, so – you factor in all those things. You can't have those guys out there running too hard or, or practicing too hard because you just don't have enough time to recover when you have to play a game on Thursday night. 
part of the curveballs that come with a short week. Yes, indeed. But, hey, full participant, though. They have got to, Motsi, do better on first and second downs. They've got to win more on first and second down on offense. I think James Conner's absence has been a huge part of that. Uh, Sunday against the Rams, one for 14 on third down conversions. I mean, it honestly, we're going to look back at this scene. Holy Mox, you and I, right, when it's, when it's OTAs and, and, you know, it's the Man. summertime, we're going to look back on this season and a lot of these games and go, how in the bleep did the Steelers win these games? Bro. You won a game against the Rams where, one? where they had a scoop six, they had a safety, and you went one for 14 on third oh. downs, and you still won that game. Like, just hearing – like, it's one thing when you look at it on paper because we've all looked at the stats – but when you hear one for six, oh, one for 14. Yeah, don't make it worse, all right? It's 14, oh God, not 16. One for 14, like. One for 14. Yeah, that's that's terrible. And, and a big part of that, right, is because they're in a lot of third and long situations. Yeah. Because without the run game success. You're behind the sticks. You're behind the sticks. Yes, without it, you're behind the sticks. And that's why it's so critical that James comes back and he's healthy. But a lot of those things, man. I think falls on both the personnel that's on the field, sure. but also the sure. play calling. If sure. you're Randy Feekner, you have to start adapting and getting more familiar with what this offense can do well and what they don't do well. Now, granted, some of those third downs were drop passes. Let's be real about yeah, it. Yeah, it's a great point by you. That, that could have been well. three or four for 14. <laughs> and, and that's why I said some of that falls on the players because no no some doubt. of them you got to make the catch. Some of you have to have a better throw. Some of them you have to make a more aggressive throw. You can't throw the check down when you know it's a third and long situation and he doesn't have a chance to get there. All of that plays into that. But then some of that is the calls on first and second down. You can't go pass, pass on first and second down and expect, oh, or we're going to throw the ball on first now. Now we're going to have to run the ball on second and ten, which tips your hand to the defense because they know you're going to run the ball. Now you're looking at third and eight. These are the type of things you have to mix up. These are the type of things you have to adjust. You can't run the ball first now. Oh, now it's second and nine, second and ten. Oh, let's go screen or draw. Yeah, come on. That's coaching one-on-one. That's defense one-on-one. You know, situationally, this is what you expect. So – the self-scout that's going to need to take place for this offense in terms of their play calling. And I don't know if we're going to see it this week because of the short week. Sure. But going forward, that's something they're going to have to work on. Maybe you and I have talked a lot about, right, the other P word besides potential that we don't like, patience, mm, yeah. right? The two P words that we don't like, potential and patience. Mm-hmm. I thought it was people, but all right. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. We only have a couple friends. Yeah. But the megawatts and the power. Grid, shout I mean, out. Shout we out. Like, we like those guys. Maybe one of – the under-discussed thing, maybe one of, the, one of the things that we haven't been honest enough about is we've talked a lot about, right, how this was an offense, this was an offensive line built for Ben Roethlisberger. And now you're bringing in Mason, right? And it's, we've, we've, we've needed to be patient with him. Only six NFL starts, giving him time to adjust, giving him time to get wet behind the, you know, giving him time to get his feet wet. Maybe we should have expected that for the coaching staff as well, too, particularly around this offense, right? Ben Roethlisberger, not in the picture anymore. James Conner's been injured a lot. Antonio Brown, not in the picture anymore. Maybe it was fair to expect a coaching staff, too, right, that was brought to Pittsburgh to work with Ben Roethlisberger, that they have needed time to figure out this new-look Steelers offense as well, too. Well, I don't want to say that that's what I said, but that is what I said. <laughs> <laughs> when people were like, hey, man, Randy Feeney, we need more posture. This offense, I'm like, hey. Everybody has an adjustment period. 
everybody has to adapt to the situation. Not only did this coach staff have to go into a season prepared for uh, Ben that turned into Mason, but they also had to go and win a game on the road with Duck Hodges. So they've had to conform and alter week to week. Last week, who did they have? Who did they not have at running back? Let's be real. All that factors into this situation and this equation. So, yeah, all of them are going to have to adjust and make that. And that's why I said Randy Feekner and in the offense have to start getting more familiar with each other. It's a process, though. It's not just a, just because right. you say it, hey, we're going to be more in tune with each other. That doesn't just mean it happens. It takes time, no, right? it takes time without a doubt. Not but, everybody has the chemistry of you and I where we can just sit down last year for a radio show and right away, okay, we're just rolling. You are absolutely right. You know, right, in the real man. world, it takes a little bit longer to develop that, that chemistry, that camaraderie. Absolutely, man. So, for me, I look at it that way and I say, hey, those guys – it's going to be an adjustment period. And one correction, too, man. We flip-flopped the yes. uh, third down. Yeah, yes. thanks to Mark on Twitter. Yeah. Yes. So the Rams were one the for Rams 14. Were 14. The Steelers were five for 16. Still terrible. Better, but, but still, terrible. yeah. You're still less than 33% there. Yes, that's, that's, that's not, pretty bad. That's not – you want to be close to 50. Is, is, you want to be about 50% Trust is where me, you as a defense, be. as a defense, if you're holding them 30%, you're like, hey, we'll we bought out. All day. We bought out on yeah. possession downs, period. No, it certainly wasn't the Rams' defense that was the reason that they came up short. Very true. In at Heinz Field on yeah. Sunday. Yeah, but, man, those are the things, though, man, when you're talking about the Steelers' offense, man, they just – it's going to be a process. It's going to take time week in and week out. They're going to have to find new ways to get more comfortable, expand when they need to expand, but then also minimize when they need to minimize. It's been plenty of times when I played here for four years where one year we're adding a ton of stuff because all of us were so locked in. We were so comfortable with the scheme. We were so smart in our careers when we were at that you could do that. Sure. You could go into a game. Put more on your plate. Right. You go into a game, 20, 30 calls, audibles off of all those calls. Then I've been a part of teams where we didn't have that. We went into a game literally with six calls, and that's including field goal block. Wow. And we got the job done. <laughs> it's crazy. But you ju- it, it comes down to the comfort level that the players and the coaching staff have for sure. each other. It comes down to the understanding that the players and the coach staff have with each other. And ultimately, the communication. If you're Mason and you're not comfortable with that, don't lie. Don't, don't give you the coach the, hey, I'm good with that. Yeah, I'm good with that call, too. Y'all can make that if you're not comfortable with it. You have to be able to be transparent and say, hey, coach, I don't feel comfortable with that call. I don't like this call, okay? And, Randy, you got to be willing to humble yourself and say, you know what? All right, you don't like that. We're throwing it out. All right, what about this Maybe call? Maybe we thought this would work, but it's not right. working. Let's throw it in the trash Absolutely. and scheme up like, something you, new. You have to be on that type of level, that type of closeness, player to coach. So that way those things can be accomplished. And I know people are going to say, well, hey, man, that's your job. You get paid the big bucks. Go ahead and execute. If it was that simple, why isn't everybody a Hall of Fame? Why isn't everybody an All-Pro, right? We all get paid. Why isn't that happening? Because that's yeah, Why not isn't how everybody I, Billy Walsh, right? right? It, doesn't, <laughs> it does not operate like that. That's not how it works in the real world, period. So with that being the case, you do have to have that give and take of, okay, is this too much or is this not enough? And it's a game that they're both going to have to play until they get to that happy medium. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at the body 52 The body. Brian has a PSA here. He says this is a PSA. Everyone needs to go and give you guys five stars in every podcast platform and do it now. You have revolutionized the Steelers radio game. Oh, man. Shout out. Shout out, man. Uh, It's been a little while since I've plugged the podcast. It is, man. Go ahead. Give them a plug. We do have a podcast. It's Steelers Blitz. That's Blitz with a Z. Zoltan. Now I can say Zlatan. (laughs) Steelers Blitz. You search that where you get your podcast. That's where you'll find us. Brian says they give us a five-star review. That would be appreciated. But if you're not going to give us a five-star review, 
Give us a one-star review. Yeah, yeah it's, it's one of the right? other. Don't. This is Sports Talk Radio. You either love us or you hate us. We are not lukewarm. Nobody thinks we're just okay. Nah, you're either great or you're terrible. We're either the best podcast ever or the absolute most trash organization that you will Dude, ever hear. Always makes me think of the, you know, Mitch Hedberg, the stand-up comedian. You know, he was a big stand-up comedian in the 90s. Okay, yeah, He passed away in the early mm-hmm. 2000s. Had long hair and always yes. wore, like, the John Lennon glasses. Mm-hmm. Had a real deadpan delivery. He, he had this joke on one of his specials where he said, I used to play in a band <laughs> called Monster Magnet. Monster Magnet. Everybody loved us or they hated us. It's period. Or they thought we were okay. <laughs> because they either loved us or they hated us or they thought we were okay. It's like that sometimes, <laughs> man. <laughs> an hour in the books, an hour still to go. When we come back here, it's time to go inside the play with Arthur mm-hmm, Motes. Mm-hmm. That'll be kind of our final look at the Rams game, right? Correct. Motsi will pick uh, – what do you got, one play today, a couple Actually, plays? I got two plays, man. Two plays two today plays. that we will deep dive into when we come back. And also in the second hour on a Wednesday, you know what that means. We'll get a best of the West Wednesday discussion going in here as well, too. So stay with us for the next hour. A whole bunch going on, as always, inside the Electric Factory. You're listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. Good afternoon, Steeler Nation. How we doing? Well, that's good. Hewler and Motes with you here live from the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex on the south side of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Hour number two. On a Wednesday afternoon, that means a couple things. Motes, that that means parts. I'm actually doing good today, since you asked. Good. I yeah. didn't give you a chance to say bad. You, you're right. You didn't. You rushed me. Because you know, it's uh, it's a beautiful day to have a beautiful day. You know, today is a uh, World Kindness Day. Aww. And that uh, I believe, I hope I'm not misspeaking here, because I believe that that was started in part by Western Pennsylvania's own Mr. Rogers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, nice little tie-in, World Kindness Day, asking how you're doing. You're good. That's good. We hope everybody's good out there in Stillerland. How can you not be, Motsi, on a four-game heater with the Cleveland Browns on the schedule tomorrow? We're feeling good. Feeling Feeling great. Feeling great. Absolutely. And I'm feeling even better because you know how we start the second hour on Uh Wednesdays. A little thing that we – it's become a new tradition here on the show a couple weeks in now – uh, I floated the idea of this, I think it was Ravens week, maybe? I believe it was. To you? Hey, we should go on the play. And I, I came I came to you and I said, hey, I got th- this idea, right? Of I think this would be cool. You bro. played in the NFL. I mean, you're just so smart. Our, our audience loves when you deep dive into, like, specifics, right? You're just the most awesome guy I know. Like, we have, a, <laughs> we have a lot of great discussions. I think our audience really likes it, the football junkies. I'm talking to my wife, Morgan. I just love you the best. <laughs> 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 yeah, you're unbelievable. I, just, I mean, all you gotta do is drop a Liverpool. All you gotta do is drop a Liverpool joke in there. You, know? hey, you got it all, Mighty Reds. Oh. But you know, we. I thought it would be fun if it's a, a, a real specific look mm-hmm. at Arthur Motes by a player two that happened. That maybe sometimes, like a couple of these times, they've been plays that haven't necessarily like it hasn't been like, oh, here was a pick six, right? Oh, here was an interception. Sometimes it's more minute details mm-hmm. that relate to the bigger picture. So a really cool thing we've started. We like to call it Inside the Play, Arthur Motes on Wednesdays. It's kind of our last wrap-up, too, of the previous week as we start to fully look ahead. So without further ado, it's time 
to go inside the play. Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, let's go inside the play. And the first play I want to talk about is the Minka Fitzpatrick game-selling interception. Now, granted, he received all the credit, and rightfully so, he did make the play. But we got to talk about why that play was made. Now, if you're looking at the defense, they're playing in a cover six uh, coverage, which means it's quarter, quarter halves. Means to the front side of the formation, you got a safety that's going to be playing a, a quarter of that half fill. And then you have the corner that's going to have vertical carry as well. But on the back side, you got Mika, who's literally his responsibility is midfield over. But what does that mean for Joe Hayden? Joe could play a lot more aggressive. That's what that means. And you see in his coverage, he's not worried about the vertical threat, which is why he makes the play in terms of jumping the route from inside and underneath leverage, which is very risky if you don't have help over top because the double move could kill you or the just flat-out upfield shorter pass can get you. But the thing that I did love about it was this. Joe understanding where Minka is. Joe understanding his responsibility. Joe understanding that, hey, I can rely on my athletic ability to take a chance right here, a calculated risk per se. Now, my only issue with Joe is this. It was a great pass breaker, but man, catch the ball. You could have been the hero. You could have been the player <laughs> of the game with two picks. Joe, I love you, Joe. I see you all the time. Your swag is impeccable, but you got to get them hands better on that situation, baby. That's why he plays defensive back and not wide receiver. Yeah, but then the flip side is this. <laughs> Minka does what Minka's supposed to do. Everybody talks about how Minka's been getting lucky. Everybody talks about how some of this stuff is fluky. Hey, sometimes when you do your job, good, good things, things happen, happen to you. It's an honest game, right? Without a doubt. You so play he the right way, you get rewarded. He literally was not nosy with his eyes. He's sitting back there over top of uh, Joe because he knows that, hey, Joe's can be, Joe can be aggressive. He's the squat corner. And Minka literally stays over top of both of them. The tip pass is there, and he's right in position to make the play. And if the pass would have been better and it would have been above Joe's head, Minka was still going to be there because he was in position to make the play regardless of if it was going to be an overthrow, a tip pass, or a completion. He was going to make that play. And that was why I was so happy about just seeing both of those guys displaying their understanding and their relationship because you don't make those type of risks. You don't take those type of chances if you don't trust in the guy behind you. And if you're the guy up, uh, if you're the guy in the back end, you're not letting that guy make that play if you don't trust him to do his job and you don't understand what you're supposed to do. So both of those guys right there displayed great understanding and great comfort in each other. That was the second time. Now it happened prior to that as well in another big way. And now the second play is the Joe Hayden interception, the one he actually caught. Now, the thing that I loved about this was this. It's cover three uh, coverage, meaning that Joe Hayden has a vertical carry. Mika has middle of the field. And then Steven Nelson has the other vertical carry on the other side. So cover three, meaning you got three guys with vertical responsibility, three guys that are going to cover the the – the field splitting it up downfield. Now, initially with Joe's route, he has a, a, a post. So it's a 15-yard going vertical, slanting towards the, the goal post, right? Which is why you call it a post play. His job is to squeeze that down from outside in. He understands that he's going to have help from Mika late inside, though. But the thing that I love with this was Joe understood not only his coverage, but the route combination that the Rams are trying to run. He's looking at it saying, hey, 
I know they're running this post to get me out of to get me to vacate my deep one third, but I know Mika is in the middle of the field and he doesn't have any vertical threat. I also see that Devin Bush is getting beat on a wheel route. And technically I'm not supposed to be here, but if I'm not there, that's gonna be a touchdown. So what does Joe do? Joe, once again, him and his understanding with Mika, him and his comfort with Mika, he knows, hey, Mika's gonna be in the middle of this field. So I can slack off of this, I can wheel off of this route and go play hero ball and save my man Devin Bush who's getting beat on this wheel route. So he puts a foot in the ground, wheels back, makes the beautiful interception, ultimately saving a touchdown because Devin was beat just off of the route combination. Devin was gonna be in a bad in a bad spot. Sure. But Joe understanding that, hey, I have Mika in the middle of the field. Mika understanding that, hey, if Joe peels off of that, I have this guy solo. But understanding, hey, I don't need to be in a hurry to get out of here. So that way, Jared Goff doesn't feel comfortable making that throw either. You bait him into this. Joe makes the awesome play, high points to ball, interception. I just felt like those two guys on those two plays just displayed how comfortable they are with each other, how knowledgeable they are with each other, and ultimately why both of those guys are being able to have big-time plays and performances on back-to-back -back weeks. Pass, ball, bingo. Mm -hmm. Joe Hayden and Minka Fitzpatrick. It, it really is amazing the continuity that that whole secondary has with Steven Nelson, who was brought in for the, this his first year with the Steelers, mm -hmm. for Minka Fitzpatrick, who didn't get here until a couple weeks into the season. That continuity they have is amazing, and I think you can attest to this, Motsi. You talked about it a little bit there with Hayden, as it, as it relates to Hayden, with the comfort that he has in the belief in having Minka Fitzpatrick and the trust of having Minka behind him. I think that relates to the whole defense. Oh, without a doubt. When you've got a guy like Minka, quote-unquote, it's kind of like your center fielder you know, in a lot of ways. When you, when you have a secondary with Minka and Edmonds and Hayden and Nelson that you trust – as a linebacker and as a pass rusher, it, it, particularly as a linebacker, more, more so than, than a down lineman, it, it takes concern off your shoulders. It allows you to focus more on what you're responsible for and trust in the guys behind you. And that's – I don't think you could put a value on that. No question. Having what we like to call an eraser on that back end, oh, man, you get to play so much more aggressive. You get to take so many more calculated risks. Typically, if you don't trust the guys behind you, no matter how much film you watch, no matter how much the odds or the statistics say to jump this route, you're second-guessing it because you know that guy behind you does not have your back. But when you have a guy like Minka back there who's shown not only physically can he get the job done, but mentally he can get the job done, that's when you start to feel a lot more comfortable taking those chances because under no circumstances would you ever want to see Joe Hayden leave his post defender. I mean, leave, leave – Leave that he, – he's guarding the post route. This is the middle of the field. Take two steps on that post, put a foot in the ground, and wheel back on a wheel route. Like, that's insane. But you can do that when you have a Mika Fitzpatrick in the middle of the field who, number one, understands the combination of the route, but number two, has the speed that if that guy kept running that post, he's right there with him step for step. That's <laughs> That's what he does. That's where you're able to see that type of stuff, man. Some crazy numbers uh, since Minka came into the fold. The Steelers' defense allowed as many completions as they have interceptions on deep targets since acquiring Fitzpatrick, right? So this is – that's what they consider a, a deep a deep completion, you know, a, a big play, if you will, by NFL standards is 20 or more yards. Correct. Since 
Minka Fitzpatrick has come into the fold. The Steelers have allowed four completions of 20-plus yards. They have four interceptions on passes of 20-plus yards. It, it really is incredible. Weeks one and two, teams were hitting at a 57% clip throwing the ball down the field against the Steelers. Now they're hitting at a 22% clip. Weeks one and two, offenses were averaging 22 yards per pass attempt against the Steelers. Now they're averaging six. Passer ratings for quarterbacks throwing the ball 20 yards or further. Weeks one and two without Minka, 141. <sighs> With Minka in the fold, 12.5, the lowest mm -mm. in the National Football League. Game changer, and dare I say, on the, on the potential track to win NFL Defensive Player of the Year. It, there's going to be some stiff competition this year. Most. But I think he's got to be right, right in the thick of the discussion. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely – put himself in that conversation because of the splash plays. The thing that I'm most excited about with him, though, is he's still learning. Mm -hmm. He's still, what, six weeks in now? Yeah. <laughs> just just think about that for a, sec for a second. Six weeks with this team, and these are the plays he's making. This is the comfort that he's showing, the understanding, the the continuity. It's only going to get better. I think so, too, which is scary to think for other teams. It's only going to get better, man. So I'm excited about it, man. I think that – and this is – I think with him, it worked out so much better because it was simplified. When he was in Miami last year, he was still producing without a doubt, but they were using him as a slot corner, play in the box, play in the post, doing some of everything. And remember, initially, that was the conversation when he came here. It was, hey, they're going to use him and move him around in some of those different areas as well. But I think when they saw that first week of him playing in the post, the plays he was making, then obviously it's like, hey, you don't know enough yet to move you around like that. But you see him make so many plays from the post. It's like, why move this guy? Did did Baltimore move Ed Reed around when they saw what he could do in the post? No. Stay in the post. Make them plays. <laughs> and, and that's the thing that you're getting with Mika. So, I mean, I think it's a true testament to him and his professionalism in terms of yeah. getting up to speed. Yeah. But then also a testament to the coach staff to say, hey, man, I know this was our plan for you, but this is what you're excelling at. Stay there. Be dominant. Be great there versus being really good at three or four things. It's been a successful relationship so far. Minka Fitzpatrick and the Steelers' defense, and he's got himself a bit of a, a love affair going on with the city, I think, as well, too. Without a doubt. On Twitter, at Wesley Euler, at The Body 52. The Body. Don Juan asks, are we going to hear the Here We Go song about those brownies? Oh, yeah, we will. We'll mm -hmm. do that tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow will be a little different of a Thursday, Motsi. It will be. Uh, we'll be on at 10 o'clock, actually. Yes. Because those, you know, those old fogies, Tunch and Wolf, they, they can't be bothered, you know, Not to do game a show they, they gotta, game you know, They got to get their vocals ready, do their beauty makeup for the radio. You know how it goes, man. So, Motsi and I will be in the locker room together 10 a.m. tomorrow on ESPN Pittsburgh and SNR. That means we'll be taking phone calls tomorrow, Motsi. Mm -hmm. uh, now, don't worry. If you can only listen to us at noon, if the way your schedule, you know, is, is laid out, if you can't listen at 10 o'clock, it's all right. Well, the show will still replay at noon on SNR at, at, per usual. But we will be live at 10 a.m. in the locker room for Tunch and Wolf tomorrow. Uh, we will have Brian Backo. Talk to him today. The Brian Backo. But we'll do some – Things that we would normally do, you know, on, on a Friday. We'll have your, your five-star matchups. We'll have the five here, We'll have the Here We Go song. There so, we go. So it'll, it'll be a fun show. It'll be a jam-packed show. Jason, see, this is one of the things I love about the Power Grid. You know, anytime we kind of float an uncertainty out there or if we misquote a stat or something like that, 
They're always quick to correct us in a polite way, of course. You know, constructive <laughs> criticism. Mm-hmm. Jason says here, World Kindness Day is an international observance on November the 13th today. It was introduced in 1998 by the World Kindness Movement. Interesting. So I guess, mm-hmm. it, I guess it wasn't Mr. Rogers. But you know what? I'm still rocking the cardigan, baby, for our boy Fred Rogers. Oh, baby. That movie comes out soon, too. I, I know. Think. That movie's just going to make me cry like a little baby. I can already see. <laughs> yeah, there's certain, there's certain things, right? Like, I don't cry very much at, like, film, you know, movies or television. But there's just certain things when I see a preview for them, I'm like, yep, that's that. the waterworks are going to happen there. Hey, man, it's like that sometimes, man. Just, it's like that, as it's long like as that every Tuesday for This Is Us. Yeah, man, just, just release it, man. Let it flow. Don't hold it back. I'm not holding back when we come back because it's Best of the West Wednesday. Uh-oh. When we come back here, I'll give you my top ten teams in the National Football League. Uh-oh. Steelers making their highest appearance of the season. Uh-oh. And spoiler alert, yeah, I still don't have Arthur Motes' bills in the top ten. We'll do all that when we return inside the electric factory on a Wednesday. You are listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. A weird week, but we're still sticking to our principles here inside the electric Come factory. Come on, man. If you don't have core principles and values and you don't abide by them, what are you then? We have principles? I didn't think I had principles. Uh, I definitely don't got values. I got no values. Yeah, I'm just a degenerate. I'm just a degenerate. <sighs> At least we embrace that, though. <laughs> Honesty <laughs> is the best policy, I've always been told. On a Wednesday, though, even on a short week, we like to take time, have some fun, do a little thing we call Best of the West. Wednesday. Top 10 teams in the National Football League as they stand today on November 13th. I give my 10, and then Arthur Mudd dissects everything that I say and gives me his 10, (laughs) or he always has the Buffalo Bills way too high. But we'll get there when we get there. Number one on my list, Motsi. Uh-oh. Their highest appearance of the season. (sighs) Go ahead. I got the Seattle Seahawks. Prisoner of the moment, okay. That's what this is supposed to be. This is supposed to be a prisoner of the moment type list. I've got those Seattle Seahawks, man. I look at that team. And Russell Wilson, and they go into San Francisco, and they beat the Niners. And, yeah, there was a lot to that game, certainly. But you know what I say, Mochi? They don't ask how. Oh, man. They ask how many. many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They hand those Niners their first loss of the season. You look at the Seahawks' schedule. Their only losses on the year have been to the Chiefs and the Ravens. Mm -hmm. And the Chiefs, when Mahomes was still healthy and they were still rolling early in the year. I think right now, Russell Wilson, I would – Certainly argue is the NFL MVP. I think you could argue he's the best football player in the world right now. There's certainly some other people on that list. Ah, here you go with that certainly, janky quarterback play again. Certainly some other, oh, certainly some other you people go. on that list. Here you go. Can he, it can never be no defender. It's got to always be a quarterback. Well, no, Aaron, Aaron, no, Donald, no, Aaron Donald's no. right now. Come on, it's everybody cool, calls man. Aaron Donald the best football player in the world. You just, you, the but you just said it was uh, Russell Wilson. Yeah, yeah, I want you know that, man. Russell Wilson. I got the Seahawks at number one, number two. The Green Bay Packers. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. What? Yeah. How? A big goal line stand by that defense to keep Christian McCaffrey out of the end zone in the snow at Lambeau. What? The, the Bills kept the, the Cleveland Browns out there on eight straight plays. And what? Come back. All right. All right. What happened to the Bills in that game against the two and six Browns? What happened to that Packers team versus the whatever and whatever okay, Chargers but, but a week ago? that wasn't ago. last week. Remember, this is a week-to-week thing. Uh, yeah, I bumped yeah. the Packers down to five last week. I got them back, back up at two. Number three. 
And now I know you're going to kill me for this because they did not look good. Oh, boy. But I still got the Saints at number three. I know they got beat by the Falcons, but you know what? Divisional play is – They didn't just get beat. They got Molly Watt. Put some, some respect on some, it. Sometimes divisional play just be like that. And sometimes another division opponent, they know you well. They get you at home. They catch you sleeping. That's what the Falcons did to the Saints to get only, what, their second win of the year, I think, for the Falcons. Yep. They're right in the tank bowl conversation there, those yep. Atlanta Falcons. I've got the Saints at number three. Shout out to your Dolphins, man. They, they're hot right now, too. They are hot right Stone now. Throwing it out there. Number four, aptly, I've got the 49ers at number four. Listen, I know they've only got one loss on the season. I'm still a little skeptical about Jimmy G. All right. The reason that I have these teams ahead of the 49ers is Russell Wilson or Jimmy G, no brainer. Aaron Rodgers or Jimmy G, no brainer. Drew Brees or Jimmy G, no brainer. But I'm not naive enough to drop the 49ers any further than that with the run game that they do have, with the defense that they do have. I've got the Niners at four. Number five, making their highest, yeah, their highest appearance <laughs> of the season on the rankings here. I got the Baltimore Ravens. Okay. As much as I hate to say it, listen, I, 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 I realize, you know, I – Where did you have him at last week? Last week I had him at six. Or I might wow. have had him at five again last week. Wow. But, listen, it's wow. – it's, it's, I'm still a little – Wow. I'm still a little skeptical, skeptical about how long that this lasts. I thought you said we're living in the moment. But we are living in the moment. So, so right how are now they I've got five if you're five. living in the moment? Because I'd still take those four teams to beat them on a neutral field. Why? This weekend that I just. Why? I know they beat the Seahawks a few what? weeks ago. In Seattle. Yeah, how many points on defense did the Ravens score in that game? Okay. How many points on offense did the Seahawks score in that game? I don't know. But it I wasn't going to be enough. But if they played again this Sunday, mm-hmm. they ain't scoring 14 points on, that, on, on defense, are the Ravens. All I'm saying is this. People said that they couldn't beat the Seahawks, and they did that. Then they said, oh, it's not going to work versus the Patriots, and they did that. It's true. Both of those games very handily. And now it's come the other way around. That's all I'm saying, man. Where, I, I don't know, did you see this that the Ravens posted on Twitter yesterday? It was John Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson having a conversation on the sideline at the end. Oh, did they play man. the Bengals yes. this past week, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a mic'd up John Harbaugh thing. Yeah. Him and Lamar having a conversation where – John Harbaugh tells Lamar Jackson, you're changing the game. Dude, I don't know if you realize this, but you're changing the game. Are you kidding me? Technically, he is, though. He's not. Yes, he is. Michael Vick changed the game. Yeah, but then think about when was the last time we saw a quarterback that predominantly runs the ball get that opportunity again. He's going to have – he's opening you the door for the next the game. He's opening the door for the next after change that quarterback the game. game. He's opening the door for him, bro. Yeah. Put All some right. respect on it, man. Hey, it's funny how these things – they're they're so hot or cold, right? Like at the beginning of the hey, year, you said this is me. That's where we're supposed to be hot or cold. Well, no, this is coming from the Ravens now, right? Uh-huh. Because at the beginning of the year, they told all off season. I-, I can literally play you a clip. John Harbaugh this off season when the Ravens and the Eagles had joint practices. Do you remember yes, that during I do training remember camp? That. Mm-hmm. John Harbaugh came on Philadelphia radio with Ike Reese, the former Eagles linebacker, mm-hmm. and told Ike Reese to his face, "You're going to be wrong about Lamar Jackson. This kid can ball." So, so they've been thinking this for a long time, clearly. When, when they went up and they traded back into the first round to get Lamar, they believed in him and this offense and their plan for a long time. Now it's coming to fruition, and they got to rub everybody's nose in it. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. Just like we talk about with Baker Mayfield. Keep, we, keep that, that same, same energy. energy, baby. All right, if it's two years from now, three years from now, and every defense in the NFL has figured out the Ravens, and they're back to going 7-9 and nine every single year, Keep that same energy. Oh, you're going to change the game. Oh, you're just a running back. You're just a wide receiver. You're going to change the game. Yeah, it all sounds great right now when you're on top of the world. Keep that same energy. But for now, 
We've got those rap birds at number five. Number six. I couldn't have them any lower than this, the New England Patriots. Wow. All right, and let's be honest here, Motsi. This top six, I think there's a gap between six and everybody else. Those are the six teams that I think are really good in the National Football League right now. All right. Wow. Seven Vikings. I mean, I, 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 they just keep hanging around and winning games. Wow. Eight Texans. Nine Chiefs. Ten. Pittsburgh Steelers. I got the Steelers making their highest appearance. First time in the top ten all year. Hey, you win four straight games. You play like that on defense. I got some faith. I got the Steelers at 10. And then my next two receiving votes would be the Cowboys at 11, the Eagles at 12. And as I always do, I got to make sure I tell Motsi where I've got his Buffalo Bills. I would have them at number 13. All right. All right, Arthur Motsi, here we go. Debate time. Oh, man. And who are your, your, your first three? How you say Cowboys, Bills, and who? Cowboys, Eagles, then Bills. Ah, Cowboys, Eagles, then All right, bad. All right, man. You almost gave me a headache listening to this nonsense. Oh. Number one, I've got the Buffalo Bills. No, no, actually, this is the, the one of the weeks that the Bills are out of my top right now. Whoa! Yeah, but here, and, and I'll tell you why, man. I felt like they played terrible versus the Browns, without a doubt. But you still, if you're going to be a good team, those are the type of games you have to win. For sure. Versus a Browns team that doesn't have an identity, a Browns team that was struggling themselves, gave you multiple opportunities to win. You got to find a way to win that game. And I think with Josh Allen, he has to find a way to be more accurate in some of those throws, make better reads. No doubt. The fourth and it was just like a fourth and four, he makes a back shorter pass where he has a wide open Cole Beasley. He could have hit him right across the middle of the field. Those are the type of things that I'm just I still have my concerns with. The defense is playing well, without a doubt, but offense I need to see more from them. But to start it out, man, you had Seahawks at one. I got the Ravens at one. I feel like it's still clear cut. You saw what they did to the Seahawks three weeks ago. You saw what they did to the Patriots two weeks ago. And then if you thought they were going to have a letdown versus a Bengals team that they had a tight game with the first time, no, they just went out there and blew them out, made it look like child's play, had Lamar hitting Madden moves in the middle of a game. I mean. He hit that B button and spin right yeah. around him. So for me, I'm like, yeah, they still stay at number one for me, man. I don't care who they played against. They made a bad team look bad. Real bad. That's how it's supposed to look. Real bad. So, if you can't beat the Stiffs, you are a Stiff, right? Absolutely. So that's my number one team. Okay. Number two, which was the most mind-blowing of them all, you had what, Packers? Number two. At two. Number two. Wow. You realize they're what, seven I, and two, eight and two? I don't care. Okay. I don't care. You saw they lost to who? Who did they lose to last week? They not, didn't not lose last week. They didn't lose last week. week. The week before, who did they lose to? They lost to the Chargers. And how did they lose to them? Was eh. it close? People don't ask Cal. People don't ask Cal. So they got whooped. Okay, cool. That's what I'm saying. So with that being said, man, I have the 49ers at two. Okay. And the reason why I have them higher than the Seahawks is this. That game was a good game without a doubt. No, this is the thing. It was a good game without a doubt, but it was very sloppy in terms of the turnovers from both sides. I felt like the 49ers offense was stagnant at times, but they were down two of their key players in Emmanuel Sanders and uh, and George Kittle. Those two out there, it's a totally different ball game. Now, that 49ers defense was turning Russell Wilson over. They were getting after him, and realistically, should they have won the game? We can all agree they should have, Mm -hmm. but can't trust kickers. That's the biggest thing, all right? Can't trust them. I don't care where you're from. Don't trust them. Not at all. That's the reason why they lost. Or the fact that from a clock management standpoint, you get that ball. It's what? I think it was like 140 on the clock or whatever. Mm-hmm. You take like 20 seconds off the clock. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. That's bad. But still, with all that being said, the Niners are the better team, period. Niners at full strength versus Seahawks at full strength. Give me the Niners. 
Now, my third team, you had the Saints. I have the Seahawks there. Okay. Because the Ray Russell, Russell Wilson is playing. I mean, he's playing lights out. He's playing on the MVP caliber level. The defense is still – it has some question marks, but they are playing well. And Jadavion Clowney, wow. His finally, impact. Finally really wow. starting to see it on Monday. And I expect that to continue. I do, too, because yeah. he's only going to get more comfortable in that defense. Right. And they're going to only get more familiar with what, he's, with what he's best at. And then I have to factor in for the Seahawks, Tyrell Lockett. I mean, he got hurt, so let's be real about it. Him being out there more, DK Metcalf, Josh Gordon made big possession down only catches. Only two catches, but they but were big. Big. And he's, you expect his role to Because that was his first game, yeah. so he's only going to get On better. On a short week, too. Yeah, so when I look at that, I'm like, yeah, they're definitely top three. I think that they have potential to be a number one candidate as this thing continues to go down. So we only got Seattle and the Niners two spots apart. Not oh, just, just the fact you got the Packers up here, too. But we're going to just roll over that. Okay. Now my fourth team, you had the Niners. I had the Niners. I have the Patriots. Okay. The only loss we've seen them have is to who? The, the only good team they've played all year. Every team is, is good. <laughs> oh, wait. Well, then why is it such a big deal that the Packers lost to the Chargers then if every team in this league's good? They are, but you're trying to say the Bills aren't a good team? Wait. We're talking about the Patriots. Their yeah, only loss you, this you year said, was to the Ravens. Yeah, I'm saying, but you're saying like they, the only good team they played. Yeah, you I said. don't think the Bills are a good team. Who got the better? Uh, so the Steelers are a good team and the Bills aren't? Who got the better record? Okay, but how many – you, you, you've got teams on your list that have better records You've got the Ravens ahead of the Niners. Who has the better record? Hey, you got the Packers ahead of the Saints okay, so and the again, Niners and my, the Ravens. It's my opinion so versus stop yours. Stop it. It's, we, we're both inconsistent here. Don't tell me, oh, you, you've got the better record. Stop I think it. the Bills have played three good teams all year, and I think they've lost all three. So the Browns are a good team. Sorry, they played two good teams. <laughs> Two good teams all year, both, both at home, and they lost to both of them. Oh, I rest, man. I rest my case. All right, judge. so anywho, anywho, I have the Patriots sitting there four, all right? I feel like they still are a high-quality team. I do think they have some concerns in terms of run defense. That's why they're at four and not higher. I, until I see them put on tape that they can stop the run, I don't believe in them right now. We know their offense yeah. has been struggling. Their defense is good, but until they can stop the run, that's going to be what they're going to have to face, and that's how the NFL works. Yes. Once we identify your weakness or your chink in your armor, we're going to attack that until you fix it. So in the words of Coach Tommy, you better find a new problem and you better do it fast. So they're my fifth team. I mean, my fourth team. My fifth team, you had the Ravens. <sighs> you like that? I got to rock with my man, Kirk Cousins. Wow. They're sitting there five. Prisoner of the moment. Yes, I am. We talk about a guy. You've you talk about a guy being hot. All year. You talk about a guy being hot. Oh. We talk oh, about a guy being hot. Oh. Has Kirk. This This is what Kirk oh. does to me. This is why I love him and I hate him. Because <laughs> he goes on these stretches where he gets hot. And when he gets hot, I'm like, no, I don't want to love you. No, I'm not going to love you. But no. you got him ahead of the Saints and the Packers. Yes. Because I both of them have two disgusting See, losses on their own. You're being oh, a man. prisoner of the moment. I, I like am. It. I, like I am. It. I like I, listen, it. as much as I was sitting here, I'm like, God, I just can't. Oh, I can't. Oh. All right, I like you, Kirk. I like you. <laughs> I like you. You keep slinging that. I, I like it. All right, so you got the Vikings at five. Vikings at five. Then at six, you had the Patriots. I got the Saints there. Okay. Even though that loss was disgusting, I do agree, man. When you play divisional opponents, it gets wacky sometimes. Sometimes it does. The, the, the familiarity. But also, we have to remember this. Who did the Saints lose in their secondary that game that ultimately had an impact? Lattimore. It hurt them. Lattimore's job is to do what? Follow around Julio. That gives a lot of more flexibility to, to what else. they can do. Sure. They lost him in the game, so that ultimately impacted it the way it did, and that's why the Saints looked the way they looked versus the Falcons. So as much as I want to hold that against them, I do a little bit, but it's still I'm not going to knock them all about the 10 for that. Sure. 
Now, my seventh team, you had the Vikings. I like the Vikings. I had them earlier. So I had the Texans right here. Okay. I do think, man, Deshaun Watson and what they're doing down there, they're getting better. They're heating up. They're finding ways to stay, you know, in the thing of it, in the thick of it. I really want to see how they perform versus the Ravens, though. I think that's going to be their it's real be fun, test. That's going to be a fun game to watch. I mean, two young quarterbacks that are up and coming in this league, two defenses that are playing well. I'm excited about that. I really want to see, you know, who met, how they're going to match up in that regard, man. But now my eighth team is where you had the Texans, so I wasn't really far off with you on that. Yeah. This is where I have the Packers. Okay. I felt like you having them at two is way too high because that loss was very disgusting, which is the same reason why the Saints are where they are because they had a disgusting loss. When you lose bad to teams that at the time, let's be real, the Chargers were, are they tanking? Are, are, are the Chargers season over? That's where they were when they beat them. Oh, no, don't you stop on. it. A- after, after we beat them on Monday night, and then they went and got whacked by Tennessee. That was the conversation. That was the narrative. Oh, this Chargers team is bad. They're done. They're going to be playing for a top 10 pick, a top 5 pick. And what do they do? They just go in there and molly whop your Packers. But I have them at 8 because I still believe in Aaron Rodgers. Even though he's been letting me down in fantasy, I still believe that he's going to have a bounce back. I do think that defense is still legit, even though, like I said, they did get whacked by the Chargers two weeks ago. I do think that this team can continue to make some noise in that division and ultimately why I have them at eight. Now, my number nine team, you had the Chiefs. Chiefs. This is where we flip-flop. I had the Steelers here, man. I think the way that defense is playing, you rock out four games in a row, man. You're finding ways to get it done through all type of adversity. You make the list, without a doubt. A four-game winning streak is a four-game winning streak. I don't care against who. I don't care how you slice it. That's hard to do in this league. The fact they're doing that right now gets them at nine. And then at 10, you had the Steelers. This is why I had the Chiefs. I think, man, Patrick Mahomes coming back definitely boosted them up in a big way. But once so again, but once again, what can't you trust in this league? Kickers. Exactly. Can't you can't them. trust kickers in any league. I mean, yeah, you think it's bad in the NFL. College, it's worse in college. Man, it just drives me nuts, man. Everything comes down to a kicker. It's like all this hard work being done. All you got to do is come in there and kick your little leg up. And, yeah, they let you down. So, all right, who's your other – this is, you know, AP-style – yeah, here. So, who's so, your others receiving votes? Yeah, so the way I had it, you did Cowboys, Eagles, Bills. Correct. I had Cowboys, Bills, and my surprise team. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Are you sure you're ready for this? I'm always ready. You're not ready for this, man. Carolina Panthers. I still believe in Kyle Lowry. I still believe in that defense. I think that we're going to see them have a nice bounce back win because they're playing against a Falcons team that – Whereas the Falcons versus the Saints is that type of weird matchup. Panthers-Falcons is, is like that. Yeah, for the for, absolutely. Even when the Falcons had those years, yes, they were winning 12, 13 games. That's always yeah. that matchup. It's, it's no different when you look in this division. Steelers-Ravens is always tough. Browns-Ravens is always tough. Steelers-Browns is different. And then Bengals-Steelers is different. Like, that's just how it operates. I don't know why that is. Or no different than the AFC East, how the Jets historically always play the Patriots <laughs> tough, but then the yeah. Bills always little brother to Jets, but yeah. then the Bills always lose to the Patriots, and the Patriots always struggle versus the Dolphins, and then the Bills typically split with the Dolphins. It's weird like that wins division it play. It really is. Yeah, so that's why for me I had the Panthers as my next team because I think they're going to easily have six wins after this weekend, and that puts them back in that conversation. I like it. That's our best of the West on this Wednesday, Thrash Metal Guy says. Wait for it. The Vikings are going to lose their next game just to frustrate Motsi. It is, man. And, and I know it. I, listen, that's I know it's going to happen, That's I can't put him any man. higher than seven. That's the highest oh, I'm going to put Oh, man. I, I took a leap of faith. I was like, all right, I've been hating on y'all. Like, like this is my thing. I wasn't hating. I was just very hard on how I viewed their success. But then it got to the point where they're rattling off games <laughs> and Kirk Cousins is balling. I said, okay, now I'm becoming a hater. 
I can't be a hater, so I have to give them their due diligence, their respect, which is why I put them at the highest that they probably will ever be all year for me, and that's at five. Because anything past five, now I'm putting myself out there. I don't, I don't like taking risks. I'm putting my heart out there, and, and, and it's only going to set myself up for it to get broken. I'm putting myself – you know, I love putting myself out there. You did with the Packers there too, I'll tell you I'm, that. Because I'm either right and I get to dance on everybody's grave, or I'm wrong, and honestly – Maybe this is why I work in radio, and I'm like, I don't mind people laughing at me. Well, I don't mind people thinking I'm an idiot. Well, either way, you're I'm good. I'm all about the good laugh. Well, I was gonna know? say you're good this week because your boys are on a bye. That's Patrick. true. So you can't go wrong this week. That's true. So I expect them to stay at two next week. And too, you know right? what? If I'm wrong about the Ravens and they end up winning the Super Bowl or winning the AFC, and, and you know, at, at least I wasn't a Ravens apologist like the guy sitting across from me right now. Oh, no, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. All right, we got to get to a break here. We're way past it. On Twitter, at Wes Euler, at The Body 52. The Body. We'll wrap up the show with your questions, as we always do on this Wednesday. You are inside the Electric Factory listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Wrapping up the show on a day before. Don't you call it the day before. You know what you call that. The penultimate. There it is. As we anticipate Steelers. Steelers. Brownies. Brownies, dog pound. About what, 30 hours or so from now, Motsi, till Man, you kickoff? Know, I, I want no math major now, baby. Don't you give me the count. You know what we should have done today? What should we have done? We should have said that we were starting the pregame. Oh. A wise man once told me, you can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. Was it, <laughs> was it the guy sitting across from you? <laughs> Was it, was it the West Virginia Mountaineers <laughs> sitting across from you who I'm told you saying, that? I was just saying, the game's coming up. I would like to start drinking all day so I can prepare myself for this big game, but I can't start that if I don't start today. Yeah. So how about this? Tomorrow at 10 a.m., we're starting the Steelers pregame. There it is. All right? All respect to the network and the DVE and to Tim Benz and Rob King and Dale Lawley and Mike Pursuta and Bob Labriola and Jared Dulac, all those guys who do, like, the four-hour Steeler pregame show for every, every game on DVE. We're starting it tomorrow at 10 a.m., all right? Pre-game show starts tomorrow at 10 a.m. Moats and I will be in for Tunch and Wolf on ESPN Pittsburgh and SNR. So you know what that means. Phone lines will be open. Mm-hmm. So for some of you out there who I know, you've been, you've been giving us grief because our phone lines have been down this year as the SNR studios are getting redone tomorrow. You can call in from 10 until noon, baby, as we will start the pre-game show tomorrow at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. Sound good? I love it. We're making, you know, I know we got bosses and all those things, Motsi. We ain't worried about our bosses. We're just making the decision ourselves here. You know, because it's like the uh, the famous Al Pacino line. Uh Uh-oh. Where he says, uh, when I was was a kid, when I was growing up, I used to pray to God for a bike every single night. But then I realized God didn't work that way. So instead I stole a bike and then Mm. I asked for forgiveness. The more you could do. All right, so we're not asking for permission. We're just asking for forgiveness when we get yelled at. Pre-game show starts tomorrow at 10 a.m. I like it, man. That's how you do it. Also, injury update, no Olivier Vernon tomorrow night. Ooh. Yeah, man. Okay. So mm-hmm. I guess what you were talking about during the break there with him being yeah. like a hot and cold guy, that's not going to matter tomorrow night. Yeah, He'll just be true. cold standing on the sideline in his sweatpants. Yeah. <laughs> yep, and then tight end Ricky Seals Jones is questionable with the knee. It's turning out to be a good night for the Steelers. Mm-hmm. And, oh, just coming across the uh, the wire here, Steelers injury report. Uh-huh. Ryan Switzer is out. Benny Snell is out. Rosie Nix is out. 
Chicolo, questionable. Joe Hayden now questionable with an illness. Mm-hmm. James Conner. Uh-huh. Full talk, go. Talk about it. Full go, baby. There it is. James Conner going to play on Thursday night. I love it. I love it. He's not even on the injury report, is James mm-hmm. Conner. Switzer out. Snell out. Knicks out. Chicolo and Hayden questionable. That is your Steelers injury report today. Arthur Motes, I know you know, I normally save my questions for you for Thursday. This is so this is like three and a half questions then right here. <laughs> but I've got a question for you before we get out of here. Well, you know I got an answer for you, buddy. Who are the real Super Bowl contenders? As many or as f- as few as you think in the AFC. Who's truly a Super Bowl contender in the AFC? Right now as it stands. You know, it's funny you say Super Bowl contender in terms of just making it out of the AFC. Right, because again, it's if you, very wide if open. If you think you, if and if you think a team can make it out of the a- AFC, I would say that makes them a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, so it's definitely open. I think that uh, obviously Baltimore, obviously New England. I mean, the way this Steelers team is playing realistically, could they make it there? Yeah, because I could see them beating the Houston Texans team, regardless if it's on the road or at home. Chiefs. I can see them beating the Chiefs on the road. I can see them beating the Colts on the road or at home. But then at the same time, those three teams I just named, I could also see all three of those teams beating doing the, the same Steelers. thing, yeah, beating sure, the Steelers. Sure. So when you look at that, that's what, five, six teams easily? I think so. And I think I think the Patriots and the Ravens at this point are kind of the clear cut the, yes. one and two. Yes, I think Patriots. I still have Patriots one right now. Well, Hold on. You have the Ravens one on your power rankings? On power rankings, yeah, but we're talking about Because the, Ra- the Patriots are going to get home. Field. Right, and that's the thing. So, Boston's going to have to go up to them. The Ravens would have to go to Fox. Yes, that changes yeah. a lot. That <laughs> changes a lot. Right. The, the same way you hear me talking about, oh, I, I think Steelers could go on the road to Kansas City, Houston, or Indian win. I don't feel as good about them going up to England. Yeah. I personally don't. But when you factor in all those teams, I'm like, yeah, Pates, uh, Patriots, Ravens, definitely one and two. And then from there, I think it's just a big hodgepodge of I go Texans. Yeah. Chiefs got to get that defense scored away. So literally, Chiefs, Colts, Steelers. I I think I would still put the Chiefs as number three, maybe not right at this moment. See, I have Texans at three, but I, have I think Chiefs if, at four. if they can get now, I, I agree with you on the if, the if the Texans and the Chiefs were playing this weekend, I'm going Texans. I, I'm going Texans. Mm-hmm. But I think if 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 they could get Mahomes back to where he was, right. I think then the Chiefs kind of the Chiefs are closer to the Ravens and the Patriots than they are from an offensive standpoint. But they got Andy Reid. You know, they don't play no defense with Andy Reid. It's true. Come on now, y'all. Y'all play Big Ten, Big Twelve ball over there. That's true. Y'all trying to score fifty and sixty, give up sixty. They did beat those Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, early, early, early. I, but I, I again, I think you could make an argument that the Steelers are right there at four or five in the AFC. Yeah, and that. <laughs> It sounds crazy, but I think ipso facto makes them a contender. They, they are. If you, if you can name any of these teams and let's say, do I think the Steelers could go on the road and beat the Patriots in New England in the AFC Championship game? I don't know. I don't know about that. Do I think the Steelers could go on the road and beat Baltimore? In 100%. The AFC? Absolutely. 100%. Any so other they, team other than the Patriots. Right, so and if the Patriots <laughs> were coming to Pittsburgh. I think I like I the would, Patriots. I, w- I mean, not the Patriots. I, I like the Steelers. I would say the Steelers have a, yes. have a legit shot. Yeah, so I mean, if that's we know the, the case. Pa- just the Patriots record against right. everybody in the playoffs at home over the Correct. last 10 years is and, insane. And the fact they played in the AFC East where they're going to have some easier opponents so they can stack a lot of these wins, that does help them no out doubt. a ton. No doubt. But realistically, let's, let's talk about this day, man. If the Ravens somehow get the one seed. Patriots get the two seed. 
Ooh. And Steelers are having to go on the road. You don't think the Steelers could beat that Ravens team? Oh, 100%. Because if the Steelers had the worst, if they if they came in as a sixth seed, that means they're going to have to play that Ravens team, beat the Ravens team. Like, I, I just, yeah. They're contenders, man. I feel like all, all those six we just named, man. Major gotta, contenders. Got to keep stacking wins, though. That's the biggest thing. One week at a time, man. Got to keep stacking wins. But the expectations have definitely changed for the Steelers Real team. quick. I mean, real quick. But when you put together four impressive wins, when you put together four games where even when your offense has struggled with the turnovers, but your defense is <laughs> That's playing. That's so crazy Like, the it. way this defense, it reminds me of 2008, reminds me of that season in terms of how they're not winning pretty games. They're winning ugly games. But that defense is so lights out, it doesn't matter. This is the second best Steelers defense of my lifetime. Yeah, that 2008 defense is still number one. Yeah. You know they're doing the uh, the NFL's like the NFL 100 in, yes. in honor of the 100th anniversary. They're doing the countdown of the NFL's 100 greatest teams. Mm-hmm. That Steelers 2008 team was on the countdown the other day, and I was watching like the the NFL Network presentation. I don't know. Did you hear this? Do you know where I'm going with this? No, I don't. I'll continue. That Steelers defense in 2008. They said this on the special, and I was like, "There's no chance. Like, there's no way. Right, How right. did somebody not catch this? That's a, that's factually incorrect. Oh no, it's true. One of the longest run." The longest rush attempt that that defense in 2008 gave up the whole season. You want to take a guess? Six yards. Seven. Wow. They did not give up a rush attempt of more than seven yards the entire <sighs> season. And this was the NFL in 2008 when it was. Everybody's running the it ball. It was starting two, to get more backs, pass. It yeah. was starting to get more pass happy, but it wasn't anywhere close to like it is no, now. No, no, no. Two legit backs. A running back and a fullback. Particularly legit in fullback. the AFC North. Yeah, that's wow. They did not give up a rush of longer than seven yards yeah, the entire crazy. season. That's crazy. It's nuts. It's absolutely nuts. That'll do it for today's show. Remember, 10 a.m. tomorrow. I should write this down on my calendar, huh? Yeah, don't be late, all right? You're going to leave me there. I'll be all nervous by myself. I'm showing up what at 12. Gonna, like, what hey, am I going to talk about without Moti? Like, Wes, what you mean? You get off the air, man. It's 12 o'clock, bro. Let's go. We will have a jam-packed show tomorrow. Brian Backo from the Post-Gazette will join us. We'll have our five-star matchups. We'll do three-question Thursday. We'll give three guarantees on a Thursday. Hey. We'll sing the Here We Go song. Here we go. So we're going to have some fun tomorrow. Make sure you join us again, 10 a.m. on Steelers Nation Radio and ESPN Pittsburgh. Thanks to everybody who chimed in on Twitter throughout the show. Thanks to our buddy Jacob for producing back at HQ. Talk to Yins tomorrow on game day. Yeah. Game day. Yeah. As always, on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, Steelers Nation Radio.